I'm your host, Julia, and welcome back to See You in My Next Life podcast, where I sit down to talk about some of your favorite manhwas. In this episode, we'll be covering manga and manhwa tropes. (laughs) Yay! But not just any manga tropes, the really bad ones, everyone's favorite. Stay tuned! These will range from just slight icks, in, you know, my glorious opinion, to tropes that can make it or break it. Because sometimes a bad trope will just ruin everything for you, and it can really be a determining factor on whether you drop the manhua entirely. Because some of these, and many more that are just not coming to mind, that I probably didn't include in this podcast, but many more, I'm like, okay, this pod- this manhua is going good. I'm seeing potential, the plot is good, the art is beautiful, and then one of these tropes just flies in, like an eagle. It just soars in, and I'm like, I just can't read this anymore, like it's ruined everything for me. And honestly, I hope you'll agree with me on some of them, because, oh my goodness, yeah, it's it'll be a wild ride. I'm hoping this episode will be a bit shorter this time. I definitely need a break from editing hour-long episodes. (laughs) And I'm sure that unless you listen to these to fall asleep, which would actually be kind of interesting because I'm not sure how soothing my voice is, then you probably also need a break from listening to these long podcasts. I know so many people who are just very busy with life and they either listen to just chunks of this Or they split up the episode and watch half one day and half the other. And whatever you choose to do is completely and totally fine. But I just thought that, you know, hopefully this will be a shorter episode. I wanted to give a shout out to my friends Grace and Shem. And we actually had a lunch conversation about this with just Grace. And then I had it with Grace and Shem a second time. After I had already started planning this podcast episode, I asked them again and I was like, hey, what's your input on some of these really bad manga tropes? But the idea actually originally came from a lunch conversation with Grace and we were just sitting down and we started talking about some just annoying things that we've seen in manhwa and manga because these apply for both uh, types. And I just remember like expressing my rage and she was 100% expressing my rage and I'm sure everyone else around us was so confused because we were screaming at each other about things that were not pertaining to each other so it was it was wild but definitely not screaming but you know there was some venting going on because I guess it is frustrating you know you really don't hope for these tropes to be bad like I'm over here laughing about these bad manga tropes but in reality I want to come across good stories I don't want to come across these mad bad manga tropes it hurts my soul to be talking about this because I know it's definitely more entertaining to listen to this than good tropes because yeah everyone knows good tropes you know that's what makes good stories but bad manga tropes that is just something else but Grace and Shem they, they contributed to this. Thank you so much. I probably didn't include everything we talked about. And I probably, and I included some of my own that I didn't mention. But yes, huge thank you to them for helping me put together my ideas. So let's get started. The first one, and I'm going to be creating a lot of really odd names for these. 
they don't have names. It'll just be names in my book. The first one is the forced physical affection trope. And I'm starting out with a hated one because this isn't just an iffy. This isn't just like a, it can work sometimes. It can't work other times. This is just plain bad. And this trope falls under a category of a lot of things. So you can't really pinpoint it to one thing. It's just you know, this guy misunderstanding a woman's intentions or forcing her to go with him somewhere by grabbing her arm or dragging her against her will. And, like, I'll use the Tyrant's own leaf perfumer as an example. I didn't particularly like the art style of that one, but I decided to give it a chance because I was like, why not? But then I saw this trope and I, I had to immediately drop it. This And this was actually not even the severe part of the forced physical affection trope. This was probably like the lighter stuff, but it annoyed me so much. And as I was reading the manhua, I already just really disliked it. It was just so misogynistic to the point I was like, I just, uh, I don't know why I'm wasting my time with this. I could be doing a million other things that I could think of a million of other things that I would rather be doing than reading this. And yeah, of course I just dropped it. But what happened is that she like makes perfumes and this guy thought that she was seducing him for whatever reason with her perfume and she kept refusing when he was like let's go back to my place stuff like that um and kind of just oh my goodness she was refusing him like adamantly refusing him and he was like oh you're just acting feisty like she was like guards please like help me get him off of me and he's like oh don't worry about her like she's just playing coy to get my attention I'm like no she's not back the fuck up or we're gonna have a problem I was getting so angry and it didn't even make me I mean it didn't make me happier when the male lead just magically stormed in and was like take him under arrest like who are you um, she had literally broken up with him, uh, cause it was one of those, like, breakup tropes because they were in a toxic relationship or whatever because she was obsessed with him and then this girl, you know, gets reincarnated as like, I don't want anything to do with this guy, so she breaks up with him. And all of a sudden, he's interested in her, which is actually a trope that, another trope that I'm gonna talk about. But let's stick to this one, the forced physical affection trope. I just didn't like it, cause like, yeah, he just stormed in. It was like, I'll save you. And I'm like, okay, but what is with the timing? Second, what is with this constant I need to save you type thing? It's just, okay, I, I, she can fend for herself. Which, what was sad was that in that um, specific scenario, the guy who thought that she was seducing him was using force on her and he was stronger than her. So he would have dragged her out of that store or that restaurant if the male lead had not come in to save the day. I just find it annoying that the male lead had to make an entrance out of the blue. I mean, I'm glad she didn't end up being dragged away to be harassed further. I just, it just doesn't sit right with me. Everything that's non-consensual and getting deeper into it is just taking advantage of someone because they're drunk or drugged also heavily falls under this category but it's definitely deeper stuff i normally read a lot of webtoons as well because there's webtoons is beginning to incorporate some korean manhua into their original works but this is one of them that i'm just not proud of webtoons uh i'll use i stole the male leads first night or i stole the duke's first night as an example 
I was reading it at first and I was like, okay, this is interesting until she gets drunk at a party. Um, she has, you know, one too many drinks and she like runs into obviously the male lead, aka the Duke. And she basically just tells him that she really likes him as a person and understands his difficult past and doesn't hold the fact that he's super cold to everyone against him. Um, and he's like, oh my gosh, wow, because he's never heard something like that before. Who would have thought? And he like takes her back to his room. And I start to get really uncomfortable at that point. Cause I'm like, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? Um, and he like literally forces himself on her and nothing is shown explicitly. But what's so bothersome is the fact that she is confused the entire time. She is not in her right mind. She's like, what are you doing? And he's like, don't worry about it. And just completely ignores what, you know, she's saying. The next morning, she wakes up panicked, confused, um, and not happy to be there, which is also a really bad sign. And throughout, like, half of the manhwa, up until the point they're at right now, she, like, he forces her to get engaged to him because, because of, like, using what happened that night as, like, blackmail. And she doesn't want this to happen because in her mind, he's supposed to get engaged with, like, the female lead of the novel or whatever it is. And she's a side character. And I just hate it so much because he's such a possessive character and it's Ugh. To, like I don't like how he never respects her wishes. It's quite obvious that she doesn't want to be in this engagement. At their, en- she's tried absolutely everything to get away from him, and then up until their engagement ceremony, like their party, before he arrives, she's so desperate to get out of this engagement with him that she fakes falling off a balcony what actually happens is she does jump off that balcony but she falls on into like a net that was hidden under the trees and then what they do is they like paint some blood on her and then just leave her on the floor and then everyone starts screaming like when he arrives and stuff that was like her plan but she goes through this whole elaborate plan with her maid and everything and pretend like she got like the severe head injury just so that she could be like, see, I'm not fit to be, you know, your fiance anymore. She goes all this way not to be engaged with him. That says a lot, don't you think? That says a lot. And it's very clear that he notices it, but doesn't care whatsoever. Just, ugh, so non-consensual. And it's just so bad. And I hate it so much. And I had to stop reading because of that. And I couldn't read The Tyrant's Only Perfumer because of that anymore. I just had to stop reading. This is one of them that I cannot take. Non-consensual. Please get out of my sight right this instant. Of course we're starting off with that one. <laughs> this, the, the head-on one first. But let's move on to number two. And number two is disregarding your feelings and the toxicity of another person because you quote-unquote love them. Um, and one of the manhwa that I've been reading recently, and I like to use manhwa as an example, because if you've heard of this manhwa, you'll know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, well, then you can check out this manhwa to see the example if you don't know what I'm talking about. In this one, I'll use Concubine Walkthrough as an example here. And I actually enjoy Concubine Walkthrough. So this one, this one I have such mixed feelings about because this 
trope, if done in real life, would be extremely unhealthy and toxic. Um, and I actually really hate it too in the manhwa. Like every time I read it and it and I can see this trope like subtly in the background, or maybe even not so subtly, like it's on the screen right there in front of me. I just I just have to scroll past it and be like, this is just so annoying. Just because you love him or her or kiss him or her does not make all the feelings of betrayal or sadness or stress or anguish disappear. Like, I mean, in, in Concubine Walkthrough, he, like, tricks her um, into thinking she, he's a eunuch instead of an emperor. And he tricks her. He also calls her an idiot behind her back multiple times and is using her multiple times and thinks of her as a fool and he basically just uses her as a toy and we see that so much like behind the scenes when he's not with her he's like the super cold cruel tyrant but like in front of her he like acts super bubbly so he's definitely super two-faced and you can I I can understand because she didn't know he was two-faced like as the readers we kind of see both sides to the emperor but even when she finds all of this out that he betrayed her and that just all of this was going on, that the person that she thought she knew was not actually the real him. She was, like, upset, obviously, reasonably, and then he just, like, kisses her and all of that goes away. And I remember really wanting to throw my computer at the wall. Because I was like, there is no way that you just forgot all of that. Because literally, in, like, the, in the manhua, it was like, all of my feelings just dissipated. And I was like... I'm sorry, babe, that just doesn't work. It just doesn't work that way. It just doesn't dissipate. And if it does, that means you're ignoring a shit ton of red flags. Like, no, no, no. No, I just, ah, oh, I hated it. Um, I really love the story, but I just couldn't get over the fact that she's not questioning anything about what the emperor is doing. And it's not even that he lied to her about being emperor, is that he's just not genuine in his feelings. And if there's anything that I hate it would be ingenuity like insincerity I hate it a lot if you don't like me don't talk to me don't associate with me if you think I'm an idiot okay if you but if you do enjoy my company then you can then I would love to hang out with you like that's just or build a relationship I people who want to be fake just piss me off and the emperor especially in this case he lied to her and is quite fr- frankly very visibly two-faced so trusting him and then forgiving him like that off the bat it just makes her look like a straight-up idiot and extremely naive like in this case I'm like okay well yeah now you are an idiot you you're just she's so naive to the point where I'm like please help me it hurts my soul and there's no way that it's genuine love <laughs> like I'm sure there's other examples, but I obviously can't pull examples for Manhua that I haven't read. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that there's a lot that these can tie to. I've, I've seen these in manga as well, where you just like ignore your own feelings and a lot of red flags simply because you love them. They do one act, one kind act, one affectionate thing, and all of a sudden every other unhealthy, toxic thing they've done before has disappeared. Like, mm. Yeah, okay, sure. (laughs) So, number three has a super long title. (laughs) It was 
I was disinterested in him, her, because they were obsessed with me, and now that they realize that the relationship was fucked up, they decide to break it off and go independent. But then all of a sudden, the male lead takes interest. So yeah, that's the whole title of number three, the trope. Because um, I didn't know how to shorten that. Basically, the whole idea of the trope is in the title. Um, and this one was, I saw it in the Tyrant's Perfumer. Like, I just hate that this happens. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And don't get me wrong, I've seen this happen in real life, where one person suddenly likes another person that either loses interest or has none to begin with. But as soon as they like, gain interest, they don't like them anymore. I can't relate to that personally, but I've like spoken to people who feel that way. And, I mean... It personally doesn't make sense to me. I don't resonate with it. I understand that it's possible. But at the same time, it happens way too quickly and unrealistically in this in these manhwas. Once again, something feels off. Like, I get it. It's just that this, only, this whole dynamic is only going to end up hurting you in the end. In manhwas, it's happily ever after. And the whole relationship somehow ends up working out. Uh, but it's... It's just, you know, not like that in real life. That relation, that, if they end up getting together in that scenario, it's just kind of, it's just cringy to read as well, in my opinion. Like, oh yeah, you hated that person for years because they were possessive, obsessive, and abusive, <laughs> and a whole lot of other things. But then all of a sudden, they're like, I want to break up with you. I'm not interested in having this relationship all of a sudden. And they do a 180. And now you're like, ooh, ooh, I see them as a potential partner. Like, no, how? <laughs> like, you're just going to forget everything that happened? Once again, what's up with forgetting? I just, I don't get it. Like, if someone could explain to me, uh, then by all means, go ahead. But if you can't explain it and you like it, then just, I don't, I don't even know what to do with you. <laughs> At least tell me what's going on in your brain <laughs> so I could know. Like, yeah, I wrote, like, a note here. I was like, if that person disliked you before and had a not-so-likable disposition, what are the chances they're going to become a different person? Like, close to zero. It doesn't make sense for someone who's obsessive with you to all of a sudden want to break up with you. That's understandable. But it, it also doesn't make sense for the other person who had wanted to escape that relationship for so long to not be happy about it. Like, if I was in an abusive relationship and I wanted to break up with someone, but, like, they wouldn't let me, like, they just physically would not because of how possessive they are, all of a sudden showed up and was like, hey, I don't want to continue this relationship anymore. I would jump for joy. I would be like, yippee, like, absolutely. I am leaving that relationship like a bolt of lightning and I am not turning back. It blows my mind how all of a sudden, like, you know, the female lead who was disgusting in the eyes of the male lead, um, who didn't want to be in a relationship with her, takes interest in her because she decides to break up with him. After, you know, obviously being reincarnated, like a, 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 a woman reincarnates into that body and is like, I'll just break off the relationship. Of course, it's a different person. But in the eyes of the male lead, she's not a different person. She's the same person. So that's why... It doesn't make sense why he's not just, like, dropping it. 
I know I know the manhua. Like, okay, I get it. The manhua would not have purpose, would not continue. It would not be a romance manhua if they just left it at that. Because if they actually broke up and then nothing happened from there, like they went their separate ways, there would be no love story, uh, so to speak. So of course this has to happen. That's in the eyes of the author. But I just don't like the trope. Like if you're going to write a romance story, just write it some other way. Why do you have to write it that way? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Some people are interested in this toxicity in novels. And trust me, like the enemies to lovers trope is something else. And it's honestly good if it's written well. I've had experience reading it. Like if characters are developing and there's tension, then yes, absolutely go indulge to your heart's content. Because everybody knows it's fiction. Everyone reads this and they're like, I read it for the suspense of the love relationship. But not expecting this to actually happen to me, you know? But so many of these tropes are written in like an unhealthy way that it's not even fun to read because it's like, is this supposed to be entertaining? Am I supposed to romanticize this kind of toxic behavior? And I think it's even more unfun to read because it happens in real life. So many enemies to lovers, it's like to the extreme point where you're like, this is not happening in real life at all. But so many of these tropes that are bad, well, in the relationship type, I've seen them happen in real life. Like, unfortunately, I'm sorry to say that I've seen them. And that's why I can't read it and enjoy it. Because I'm like, this type of unhealthiness is not extreme. And that's what makes it not fun to read. Because I look back and I'm like, oh, but this is like abusive. Uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to like it. I don't know. I may just be the only one that doesn't have mm, feelings of like or interest or enjoyment in reading those types of tropes. I I know I'm not the only one. I know Shem doesn't like it. I know Grace doesn't like it. The three, the three of us, we can agree that these tropes suck. I don't know about other people because I, I have seen people enjoy these as well. So I guess it is just controversial. I'm just sharing my opinion and why it is that I feel this way because I feel like it should be said. (laughs) Oh my god. But I just wanted to say one more thing on number three. It's just like kind of annoying too. Like how both the characters are doing a complete 180 in personality. Do you like me or not, Craig? Like what's with the mixed signals? (laughs) Like what's with the... The turning tables here. Like if I actually saw that, if if this happened to me, I'd be like, Craig, I just fed you poison. But the next day, I didn't feed you I told you that this isn't poison. Would you drink it? No, probably not. But it feels like if I just take, if I put it simply, this this is what this trope feels like. It's like, I've been feeding this man poison for several years. And I'm finally like, no, I'll stop feeding you poison today. And he's like, wait, but I kind of want the poison now. Like, for years I didn't want the poison, and now all of a sudden I want the poison. Like, excuse me? What? (laughs) I mean, by all means, go ahead. It's not my relationship. It's not my life. So, your two characters in a novel... Do do what you want. I'm just not going to indulge in your life story. 
moving on. <laughs> um, number four, and this is just titled Villains. Villains in any novel, even ironically, the reincarnation villainous manhua, they have villains and villainesses as well. Because, oh shocker, the main character of the book that the female lead reincarnated to was the actual true villainess of the novel and the villainess that she reincarnated into like the body of that villainess is actually kind it's so i mean it's kind of predictable at this point i've seen it so many times it's not bad it's just predictable but in that case this can go two ways either the villain is underdeveloped and is just used for the purpose of bullying the main character or their sob story is used as an excuse to justify the terrible actions they've done and put them in their position as a villain in the first place. Um, and you see this more, like, more of this happening in anime where villains have their own arc. Um, same in manga, too, because manga and anime, they run much longer than a lot of manhua I've seen. For manhua, a lot of the times, it's that the villain is underdeveloped. Um, and sometimes the villain is developed, but we don't really see their backstory because the author wants you to hate the villain. The author doesn't want you to see the villain or the so-called not-villain because she was supposedly the main character. It's such a weird connection bet between all of them. The author is just like, you're supposed to hate this character. I'm not going to introduce anything that makes you not hate this character. Um, and sometimes the author does want you to sympathize with the character or empathize with them and it's like okay yes you massacred the whole village but your your papa left you when you were five and your mother was abusive and I'm like yes that is definitely a heartbreaking story and I do sympathize with the character and I hate both the dad and the mom for doing that to the child or to you know and to the character themselves but that doesn't justify them <laughs> killing a village like, no matter what happens to them, to me, it doesn't justify that. Because we've all been through a lot of hardships. And there are people who have been through a similar hardship, but they're not serial killers. So, you know, there's ways to get around that. And maybe not in the case of this villain. That's the whole purpose, that they became a villain. And I understand that they're a villain, so it just goes both ways. But it's, it's like, not justifiable. Of course, I know a lot of people, including myself, that sometimes, like, roots for the villain. Like, the Joker in um, Batman. I love the Joker. <laughs> um, I think he's kind of iconic. Obviously, he kills a lot of people. So, I, you know, don't love him in that sense. And the fact that he has, you know, the scars on his mouth from his dad also is not a justifiable reason to become a mass murderer. But I do think he's iconic, and in that case, I love his character because of the way his character develops. Normally, when I like villains or villainesses, it's for that reason, not because I think that they're a great person and I want to be them or I want to be friends with them. Most of the time, 9 out of 10, I don't want to be friends with them uh, or be related to them in any sense. And I do like it when the villain is developed. I just don't like it when the author tries to justify it. I think that's the main reason. Because it's fine to like the villain. Because it's fine to be like, oh, the villain adds some spice to the story. Um, as they should. And I, it's normal to like that part of them as a character. 
But to be like, oh yeah, it makes sense why he killed all those people. I'm like, oh, well, I guess so. But like, are you, what are you implying by that? Are you implying that he's a good person? Because he's not. And, you know, he's not heroic. And I'm honestly, I'm not even asking you to be heroic to be a good person. Just don't be cruel and inhumane. Which, you know, sometimes they are. And in those cases, it's, it, is a, it is a controversial topic. So this next one, number five, is probably my favorite. And it was one of the first ones I thought of. And I didn't discuss this with anyone else. It's kind of like a new one. Because I read a lot of father-daughter manhua, like father-daughter relationship manhua on top of reincarnation romance manhua. Because it's just so cute. Yeah, that may say something about my internal family workings, but we're just gonna move on. I just, I, the, the relationship between the father and daughter is so adorable, um, and it's cute. And I love to see the, how the characters develop as well, because originally, most of the time, they don't like each other, and there's so much growth there. But this trope is the reincarnated as a child, but has the mentality of a 30-year-old. And let me tell you, this never works. Not once, not a single time have I seen this trope incorporated correctly into the manhua. And I have seen so many authors try, I really have, and it just didn't work. Like, I'll use Daughter of the Emperor primarily as an example. If you've listened to my previous episodes, or if you know me, you've probably heard me mention this manhua a couple of times. And it's true, I do like this manhua, despite it having over 200 chapters and it took me, like, weeks to read it. Even procrastinating all my- all the important stuff that I need to get done in order to read this. However, that's not to say that it's without flaws. And I would overlook this trope, honestly, if it didn't happen often. Like, I overlooked it the first time and the second time, but once I started seeing it the third time and the fourth time, I was like, okay, this is getting a bit annoying. I won't drop the manhua if they use this trope. I don't like this trope, but it's kind of more of like an ick than a complete break it or turn off. But like every father-daughter relationship manhua, or most of like the female lead was reincarnated as a baby to start out instead of as the t- as a teenager or as an adult already. Any manhua that has this concept in it, not any, but most I've seen have them. Like, most of the time, the female lead will say something like, I'm three years old, but when I died, I was 27, so now I have the mental age of a 30-year-old. Or something along those lines, when you first start out. When I first read that, my initial thought was like, oh, great, like, so that must mean that you'll be mature, independent, and think things through so that you make the right decisions for the most part, right? Uh, well, I was very utterly wrong. (laughs) She's still normally whiny, rash in her decisions and ends up creating so many problems for herself and others that she cannot even fix on her own to the point where it would have been best to eliminate the whole reincarnation aspect of the manhua entirely what's the point of reincarnating into the body if you're not going to if there's no if you're not going to showcase the previous life in korea it holds no importance whatsoever besides the fact that She's not actually a baby, she has the mental age of a 30-year-old. But I'm like, she doesn't actually have the mental age of a 30-year-old. She acts like a 3-year-old. And it's not acting sometimes, because 
you might be like, oh, it's acting, and sometimes it does seem like acting, but other times it would have been best to behave differently as a child, especially if your dad is, you know, an emperor who likes to kill anything that annoys him. I'm pretty sure a crying baby would annoy him, or a baby that throws tantrums, or a toddler who whines a lot. Uh, I would find that annoying. So if I was a rash father, like a lot of these emperors, I'd probably slice the head of the baby. I, I'm just realizing right now that so many manhwa I'm talking about have themes of beheading in them. I don't know why. I don't know where I'm getting this from. I swear it doesn't have like a beheading tag um, by the manhwa, and I'm like, ooh, beheading, <laughs> let's check it out, like, no, I don't, I don't do that, I promise, um, for whatever reason, beheading is, like, the number one choice of execution and killing in so many of these manhwa that I'm just realizing as I constantly mention it, but yeah, I mean, in this case, they're making a big deal of the fact that she has the mental age of 30 because it's like, oh, that's the only reason that reason that she's surviving because if she were an actual baby, she'd probably have annoyed the king or the emperor by now and would have died. But the fact that she's mature goes to show that's why she's still alive because the emperor favors her maturity for a toddler. But I just wish I could see it executed correctly. Because it just hasn't. There have been so many times where I'm like, this would have benefited you to not act like a child. But you're acting like a child anyway, so I'm having a hard time believing that you're actually 30 years old. Like, it just... I've seen other manhwa where the child just doesn't get reincarnated, and it's just better. Um, I'm like, it makes more sense that way. Or if the child did get reincarnated, but they're not making a big deal over the fact that her mental age is 30. Because if you're going to continue to reiterate the fact that she's actually 30 and not 3, then I'm going to expect to see that portrayed in actions. I'm not going to expect an immature little, rude little girl. Because then it just doesn't add up. So I'm like, where is this coming from? If you're going to make the effort to point it out, then you might as well do it correctly. Okay, so number six. The bad boy who was only nice to the female lead, main character, or whoever. And I just know this one is going to be super controversial because I was, as I was writing this, one of the manhua with this trope, or kind of centered around this trope, popped up on my For You page on TikTok. And everybody in the comments was like, oh my gosh, I love this trope so much. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, I can't really agree with you there. And I'll tell you why, because here's the thing. What you may be envisioning for this trope and what I'm thinking of are probably different. Because after I saw that, that TikTok, I tried to see how I could word it in a way that everyone can agree that this certain part of this trope is not likable. And if I were to choose, this one is definitely in the top list for the most used tropes in romance, probably because it's very popular. That's why, that's what I did realize later on. So that's why I'm trying to find this middle ground, this compromise. And here's the thing. My dislike for this trope is when this quote-unquote bad boy is quite literally rude 
and just all around dislikable to anyone and everyone but the main character. Like, he's mean to his mother, his family, classmates, teachers, co-workers, just a random old man on the street. I mean, you name it. He, like, shoves people on purpose, curses them out. That's the type of rude I'm talking about. Because it's normal to show interest in your partner, to show special interest in them versus, you know, everyone else. Everyone else, you're just, like, normal. You kind of have a nonchalant attitude towards them versus your love interest. But being downright mean is instead of like a mature human being it's just an ick you know it's just uh once again I'm relating this to an IRL aka in real life situation because I've seen people not see their love interest treating their family like shit as a red flag like they see their love interest or their partner boyfriend girlfriend spouse whoever being a complete dickhead to everyone they know and I'm not talking about like the playful bullying that goes on between friends like you know what I'm talking about that kind of red flag and they don't see it as a red flag because they're so in love with that person that they're looking at them through rose-tinted glasses but this display of rude behavior towards people they know is one of the first signs of an abusive relationship because If he or she treats their mother like that, then later down the road, it's pretty much guaranteed that you'll be treated the exact same way. Like, what's stopping them? Like, once they get comfortable, once they feel like they have a grasp on you or they have control over your life, they'll just start treating you like shit. Like, just like everyone else. Once they feel like they don't need to treat you as a special person in their life anymore. Yeah, all of that's just going to end. If they... Because you'll see their habits show from how they interact with the people that they spend most of their time with, their life with, who they grew up with. So that's why I don't particularly like it, because I, oh my goodness, I've seen so many manga, I think, specifically with this trope. And it's actually, like, it is cute to an extent. I know Grace, if Grace is gonna hate me for saying that, I am so sorry, Grace. Please don't hate me. She's gonna be looking. She's just gonna be listening to this and be like, Julia, I trusted you. You need to be a full on hater of this trope. But I am trying to find a compromise because I would be lying if I said I, I read this trope and I completely hated it and I dropped the entire manga because of it. Like, I actually like parts of it because it feels nice when that person shows special interest in, like, their crush, for example, versus everyone else like it is sweet you know but when they're just downright rude like I had mentioned previously that's just unlikable because their whole disposition is just ugh and I'm not talking about tsundere type things because that's something else entirely um and I can't I don't I can't even begin to talk about that tsundere is It's good when it's well-written and bad when it's not well-written, like most tropes, but it has to be written in a specific way for it to be good, so on and so forth. Number six, this trope is, it is hard to decipher what is good and what's not, what you consider okay to romanticize and to fawn over versus what you just see as like a major red flag. It's interesting because I'm viewing this through a realistic lens. I'm scrutinizing this manga couple and I'm like, hmm, I don't think that they're going to work out a couple years from now since he treats her like this and she she treats him like that. <laughs> like, I, 
like, I'm not a therapist. And of course, when I'm reading these mangas, I'm not always um, analyzing every bit of their relationship. I'm just reading it and I'm just enjoying it. And these bad tropes, they blossom and I take notice of them when it stirs discomfort or dislike in me. So that's kind of when I take this chance now to talk about it, when I have those specific feelings towards a trope. Because there's good tropes and there's bad tropes. Technically, everything is a trope. You can't say that something is tropey, because, like, everything is tropey. Uh, and, and no one really... That's kind of... I'm actually quoting Shem from that, he was telling me. He was like, it doesn't make sense when everyone says that something that that's so cringy because it's tropey because ev- everything is made up of tropes there's good and bad and people naturally assume that tropes means that it's something bad do what you will with this information that i present to you my lovely opinion on all of these once again this trope specifically is hard hard to analyze i'm pretty sure you get where i'm coming from this is honestly not that bad i guess it just depends on the details, you know, the specifics of this trope. Are they doing this or are they doing that? And that's like the deciding factor on whether I would read the manga or not, I think. Because the more it leans towards unhealthy, as you've probably been getting from this entire podcast episode, the more it leans in that direction, the less likely I am to continue reading. Number seven, last but not least, the lovely number seven, where this trope is that the guy is secretly rich, a CEO, or a genius. And I remember just taking a big pause, and I have no idea where to begin for this one. I don't necessarily think this one is bad. I just think it's extremely overused and, of course, unrealistic. There's no toxicity in this one. Um, Like, if, I, I mean, depending on how the author chooses to go about it. But if there isn't toxicity in the relationship and the plot is interesting um, and moves smoothly, I don't really see the problem with making the male lead a rich CEO. Like, it, it's more interesting than, you know, just a normal relationship between two co-workers in an office because it's like, oh, he or she is a CEO. I just wish that we'd see more female CEOs. A lot of the times it's like, the guy is a CEO and it's at, of course, the largest company in Korea. <laughs> and the girl is like a teacher who makes extremely low wages and has been accused of getting pregnant and has run into her really toxic ex. And I'm like, she has every everything is going wrong for her and nothing is going wrong for him. And yes, you may realize this from the Manhua Positively Yours This one is where it's kind of like the I'm actually having your child, but I don't know anything about you. It's on that kind of level. Now the guy has to take response. Like now the guy, for whatever reason, has a super strong sense of responsibility. And he's like, I have to marry you. So it's more of like a forced marriage relationship. And in the end, of course, they end up falling in love. But there's just, like, this long process. And you know, sh- and there's just, like, no dating in between. And, and I'm like, wow, this is happening really fast. I think it would be interesting to see, like, a- I'm sure there are female CEOs, of course. I just think it would be interesting to see them more often. 
because yeah, they exist. Of course they exist. And, you know, we need a powerful dynamic here. Oh my god, it'd be interesting if there were two CEOs. <laughs> or maybe switch it up for once and the guy is in a poor situation. <laughs> but I think it's because it's from the perspective of the girl. And so, like... <laughs> she's marrying rich. Um, instead of the perspective of, like, an already rich woman... For whatever reason, like marrying down. In Korea, it's not as socially acceptable as it is in the US. And so I think that's why it's not as seen. Uh, the female CEOs are not as seen. I think with this trope specifically, more often than not, it feels like the way it starts is so random. And from the point on, like from one point on when they realize they have a crush... Uh, one or the other realizes they have a small crush, and then their feel feelings power upwards linear linearly. There's no exponential growth. There's no slow interest. I've just seen so many times where it's like a light bulb goes off, and then all of a sudden it just escalates. I'm like, whoa, whoa, how, why, when, where, and who? <laughs> Because didn't you hate him a minute ago? Wasn't he yelling at you yesterday? Like, wasn't she incompetent in his mind or some shit because she wasn't doing something correctly? I don't know, like, something along those lines. And that's only one example. Like, they, they have a rocky relationship from the start. <laughs> and then one day... <laughs> I'm This is gonna sound so cheesy, and I actually haven't seen this, but there's, like, an accidental slip brush of the hand and then everybody like gasps <laughs> in slow motion and Mozart starts playing and sparkles light up their eyes and a blush tints their cheeks and now they're deeply in love and I'm just standing there like I I enjoy reading romance, but I'm telling you, if <laughs> if I were ever placed in one, I would stand there while this was happening in the background and be like, get a grip, you guys. I would be like the Debbie Downer of the romance novel, like, don't place me there. I would ruin the whole thing because... If I, I can, I just know that if I'm, I don't give main character vibes. My best friend gives main character vibes. I am 100% the main character's best friend who is also simultaneously the comic relief. And I'm proud of that position, you know, because most of the time the side characters make the right choices and they know what's up, you know, they make the right decisions. They're not naive. They get into healthy relationships Instead of the main character whose life is a fucking disaster and they only fu fuel the flame <laughs> with their actions and lovely decision-making skills. Um, which is, you know, why their story is so entertaining to read in the first place because no one wants to read about a person who's living their life to the best because they're making good choices. Someone wants to... We all want to read... A case where, you know, her life is in complete ruins and she goes to the bar and meets a hot CEO. And then life just takes a turn from there, you know? Everyone's dream life. But trust me, if you were living that life, <laughs> you would be so stressed. You, you would regret it. <clears throat> so, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of my position as a side character. Mm.
Alrighty, that concludes the end of today's episode. I don't think this was any shorter. I'm like actually kind of upset because I was hoping that this episode would be shorter than the other episodes. Um, and it didn't end up being shorter. So uh, there's that. But thank you so much for listening. Shout out to the listeners from abroad. It's so cool that there are people from all around the world who take interest in this podcast. And I appreciate all of your support. There's honestly not that much to say for these outros. It feels like it's getting a bit repetitive. I'm like copying and pasting on my outlines at this point. Maybe I should do like a a mini comedy skit for the end. um, In case people skip this outro, they'll be missing out on the time of their lives, you know? Um, <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't, I don't even know what I would say. Um, but what do y'all think about doing an episode every now and then that just talks about some interesting life stories and experiences I've had? Because I do feel like I could talk about that. Um, of course, that's not really the content that I'm creating, so it'll probably be later down the road, if at all. But if you are interested in this, well, just let me know on Instagram or in person, if you would be interested in seeing that, because I think I would have some interesting things to share. I have some pretty amusing stories that I think the world should know. But yeah, we'll just see what happens in the future. Hope to see you next episode. Bye!